glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Please, if you guys get a moment, give us a rate, review, and of course, subscribe, because you want to get all of our wonderful information and all of our uh, you know jokes and great insight before everybody else. And so if you guys subscribe, you don't have to wait for me to publish it out on Twitter. You guys will get it at least five minutes before I put it up on Twitter, if you guys follow me on Twitter, or anywhere else. Uh, but please, guys, go ahead and do that for us. We really appreciate it. We were about to open the sweepstakes back up, so if you guys do do it now, you will be entered for some free swag from 500 level. I'd really appreciate it. Continuing on with the podcast today, we are continuing our 2019 talk. Moving on to the wide receiver position for the 2019 NFL Draft, excited to talk to a newcomer into the fantasy industry, a uh, you know what, I would even say a valued friend and a good member of the community, someone that me and Dennis have uh, gotten to know over the past few years because of a dynasty league that we are all in together. So I am super excited to bring him on and talk about that. No real, well, I shouldn't say there's no real, there is one bit of NFL news, so I'll get into that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So Sterling Shepard just got paid for the Giants. Obviously, they moved on from Odell Beckham, brought in Golden Tate. Sterling Shepard signed a four-year, $41 million extension. Um, He is now their longest-tenured wide receiver and highest paid, which is uh, just interesting to think of just a couple years ago, him being kind of the the second fiddle to Odell. But now New York is, I guess, all Sterling Shepard. Good for him. I think he's a... Obviously, um, I, th- I feel a very good route runner and has great hands, good blocker, so I'm interested to see if he's able to blossom here at least in the next coming years, probably years two through four of this deal because he's likely going to need a new quarterback, although I am on the Eli Manning was not that bad train last year. I think a lot of that was due to the offensive line, which they've already improved, getting Kevin Zeitler over from the Browns. So interested to see what Shepard can do this year with the new deal and being the number one in New York. Uh, and then the last bit of news before we bring in Dennis and our special guest Leonard Fournette was arrested today though I do not think it is that big of a deal he got pulled over for speeding um, and then it, uh, I believe he was arrested because he had a expired license um, but he was arrested after a traffic violation I, I don't expect this to be anything you never know with um, my goodness his name just jumped right out of my head Tom Coughlin, I don't know why I was going to go somewhere else. Tom Coughlin uh, is obviously their general manager and runs all things down there. He does not like any of that stuff. He doesn't have any of the funny business or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see if if that changes her perspective at all on Leonard Fournette. We knew that they were kind of uh, butting heads earlier in the offseason. Then it looked like they both had made amends and they were ready to move forward. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if that changes anything for him uh, and the the, uh, New York, or New York, the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. Without further ado, let's pop Dennis 
and let's get our special guest on here and let's talk about some wide receivers. And joining us today, as always, really, I mean, really, I don't know why I have to introduce him every time, but I guess it's because I do the intro by myself. Dennis is here with us again to talk about some wide receivers. Dennis, how has your day been going so far? How's your week been going? We haven't spoken since Monday. Well, my week has been kind of crazy. My wife left for Italy on uh, Wednesday, yesterday. My mom's hip popped out of socket. I'm on kid duty. I'm running around like crazy. Uh, You know, so it's just been kind of frazzled so it's kind of nice to sit down and uh, relax and talk about some wide receivers yeah that, that does not sound like fun at all i mean i get i get both of my kids every day because my me and my wife work opposite shift as i've talked about before and uh, i can understand i haven't had to deal with the, the the mom and the hip thing yet but that's uh yeah i can understand kid duty is not fun I, i've got them locked in a room right now and i'm really hoping they don't come barging out to uh, to interrupt us but as I talked about in the intro, we have a special guest joining us again today. It seems to be our, our thing now, getting all these uh, people on here who are at least smarter than me, I'll admit that, uh, to talk to you guys about some fantasy football. We have the new darling of Twitter. Uh, you can follow him at DynastyFF underscore Kyle, Mr. Kyle Matthew. He writes for the Woo! Fantasy he just made his uh, debuting article the other day, and I believe, if I remember correctly in reading uh, what you wrote, it's already up over 10,000 hits. He has been climbing Twitter fast. He's going to take uh, just a little Iron Throne joke. He's going to take the Iron Throne away from me and Dennis, it feels like, here any day now, with as quick as his rise has been coming up on Twitter. Kyle, the wide receiver whisperer and truther, what's going on? Welcome to your debut on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I, I'm friends with Merlin Olson, too. He comes over on occasion. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it was crazy the other day. I uh, Recently, I just decided to start writing for fantasy because it's always been a passion of mine, and finally decided to you know, get out there and put some content out there for the community. And my first article, it was just, it was met with so much just positivity from the community. I mean, people that I reached out to were more than happy to retweet it, spread my work, just literally do everything because they saw that I was really just trying to get my voice out there. It was absolutely amazing. I'm, we just passed 12,000 impressions on Twitter, so I am ecstatic it's been absolutely amazing i'm excited to release my next article the one that i just released was going in depth about my top five running backs in the incoming 2019 class and going hand in hand with what we're talking about today my next piece that's coming out within the upcoming week on the fantasy life blog is about my top five 2019 wide receivers so i am absolutely thrilled right on yeah, it's a uh, this this community is really awesome. It's something me and Dennis have have talked about multiple times on here. I know I always talk about how active Dennis is. I know he was someone who really put uh, you know got you in contact with Matthew Fox, who I, we've both worked with. And me and Dennis, ninety nine percent of the community is that right there. Like we we have mm-hmm. no problem helping each other out and doing everything we can for each other. I know we were you two were just talking off record there the, about some uh, Twitter trolls and everything and. 
it's fun, really. I think it's fun. I really don't take any offense or anything to it. I enjoy messing with those people because they're just trying to make your life miserable, and, and I, 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 it's not going to bother me one bit. So I can't wait to see uh, how you handle it, but I, I really am happy for you, man. It's a, It was a great article to begin with on your RBs, and I'm super excited to talk about your wide receivers uh, to kind of get a little idea of what your article is going to be about before you release it. Yeah, thank you, guys. I'm thrilled. This will be... We'll go over more than just my top five, but that receiver that receiver article will really focus on you know my top five receivers. So this is going to be a great little segue into the upcoming article. Well, we appreciate you joining us. So as I ask all of my uh, all of our guests that join us, me and Dennis, everybody on the podcast knows how we got into fantasy. So how did you get started into fantasy football? You'll just talk about how long you've been playing. Uh, obviously, you just talked about some of your articles and everything. Just your favorite, you know, your favorite football team, favorite player, anything you want to tell the podcasting audience. For sure. Well, as of right now, I'm a 20-year-old college student. But starting back when I was, you know, seven or eight, I just love tracking football stats more than anything. And as I got a bit older, you know, you kind of want the real thing. You want something to root for. As I'm a Jets fan, huge Jets fan. So, you know, as I kind of hit that age, 9, 10, I decided to join just your typical family redraft league where you, you know, just play with cousins, aunts, uncles, all that good stuff. And as time progressed and I got more into it, I decided to take a step forward, join a dynasty league. And eventually that's how I met Matt and Dennis. Shout out to Dynasty Questions League, which is the league that we're all in together right now, the league that brought us together. And ever since then, things have really taken off. It's really led to... You know, the writing that I've been doing right now, it's all led me to right here. Yeah, it's, a, it's crazy to think that that little chat on the FLA app brought all this together because, you know, same thing. I think uh, I was actually one of the first ones. I believe I started with, with FLA first. Dennis was talking to me about it. Obviously, then I, I had him reach out to Matthew Fox, and then he went on and did a, his great article thread of uh, Down in Dynasty, which got a lot of praise, which allowed him to move up and on to better things into uh, – Dynasty Nerds, which is who he's writing for now, and then obviously to have you now jump on too, it's crazy to think that that little app and us all, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, I remember like just trying to fight to get into this league back in the day, because I think it was Brandon who started it, and there was, I think, upwards of hundreds of people in that chat, and everybody was trying to get into the official Dynasty Questions League, everybody in there answering questions and helping people out, and the fact that all of us got into it, and then we're here now, just a couple years later. It's pretty cool. I agree with you. It's a pretty cool idea, and pretty cool that all that stuff happened. Yeah, I think we've only turned over one owner in four years. Yeah. So that's it's pretty good for a bunch of strangers from all over the country to kind of make that connection. You know, we're in we're in the chat. We t- we talk every day about all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. You know what's going on in everybody's lives and. You know, we've got a, a doctoral student that's getting ready to defend his dissertation and uh, a pastor. Uh, I'm in HR. It's just, it's crazy. There's a, the backgrounds that we come from, you know, everything like Kyle's 20 years old. I just turned 54. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's crazy. You know, we all are bonded by fantasy football. And that chat is, it's so much more than just, you know, you got your typical fantasy news. But as Dennis was talking, like we have our... I mean, we know the people that are in this group chat. So it's, it's, it's personal relationships more so than just fantasy. And not to toot my own horn or anything, but coming off a, a bit of a title victory, a little bit of a championship in that league. Championship. So I'm, I'm sorry, to... you're, you're breaking up. What was that? <laughs> yeah, it was nice having you on, Kyle. Uh, we're going to have to continue with me and Dennis. I can't, you're, you're not coming through. 
<laughs> Sorry, you you know I had to you know I had to get that in there yeah, at one yeah. point. Yeah, it's a it's it's a little disheartening for me because I was so close. Uh, just uh, I think it was two years ago because I know you won it last year, obviously. So yeah, two years ago losing uh, to obviously Jeremy the the pastor. I believe it was by like seven points. And it was all because I'm an idiot and didn't swap out one of my IDP players because I didn't realize he wasn't going to play. And to think I could have had a championship too, that comment that you just made would uh, hurt a lot less, I think, <laughs> had, had I been able to win it two years ago. And the championship this past season, it was also against Jeremy, yeah. who you played in the previous year. I want to say I ended up winning by four points, mm-hmm. I want, right around there. And I can attest that to Rob Gronkowski's goose egg in week 16 that was the most the most lovely heartwarming thing i've ever seen in my life especially as a jets fan yeah oh yeah i can imagine uh speaking of you being a jets fan do you have a uh, a favorite nfl player for sure definitely big jamal adams fan i wish i'm currently at uf i'm a florida gator so besides marcus may i wish i could say that you know we had a stud uf grad that went on to play for the Jets because then he'd easily be my far and away favorite player. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, how could you watch Jamal Adams and not love him? I I love that guy. I love his game. I agree with you. He's almost as good as Baker Mayfield. Almost. I mean, he's up there. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Wish I could disagree. (laughs) All right. Well, enough enough talking about our fantasy league and chat and everything. Uh, We brought you on here because we know, again, that you are the, uh, the wide receiver whisperer. You are a wide receiver truther, much like myself. So it's going to be interesting to see because I know Dennis, I feel like, is more middle ground. He very, he supports and loves running backs and wide receivers where I, I detest running backs because I just don't like them. I love wide receivers, so it's going to be fun to see the differences we have. I know we already have one big difference, so I'm interested to see where the other differences are. Uh, we're going to continue talking about these just like we have all the other episodes. We'll start with Kyle because he is our special guest. We will let him give off his top 12 wide receivers, any news or notes or, or breakdown that you want to give of them, and then we'll go to Dennis, and then I will give my top 12. So, Kyle, go ahead and kick it off. All right, let's start with number one. I got, as you guys know, we've got Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. Oh no God! No God! Please no! 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 Now, just to start off, I absolutely love Nikhil Harry in his game. I think he's got the best combo of high floor and high ceiling among all the prospects. Honestly, I'm confident he'll be a Pro Bowler and low end wide receiver one in an offense if it if they use him similar to the way Pittsburgh uses Juju. So, sort of as a big slot guy that you can put on the inside, but also on the outside, as Nikhil Harry has shown he can do in college. And yes, for sure, he definitely struggles with separation and release moves in the sense that he often takes too many stutter steps off the line, which just seems like pointless and wasted movements. But that's something he can fix at the NFL level with proper coaching. But I think he makes up for all those issues with physicality, aggression at the catch point, and just athleticism. I mean, he ran a four-five-three forty at the combine. A lot of people expected that to be in four sixes, even low four seven. So I think his athleticism kind of blew people away, including myself. And I'm a big fan. Uh, number two, another guy that I love, who rounds out my top tier of wide receivers. We've got AJ Brown out of Ole Miss. Now people label him kind of as a slot guy, but I think he's much more than that. I see him as. Jarvis Landry, more athletic. He ran a 4.4940 at the NFL Combine. He's very quick out of his breaks, 
precise route runner, and he is absolutely amazing after the catch. Just makes people miss like crazy. He has elite production, over 1,200 yards, back-to-back seasons at Ole Miss with three other players with NFL talent on the roster, being Metcalf, Demarcus Lodge, and Dawson Knox, the tight end. He's just He's just a hands catcher, which is something that really popped out to me on film. Rarely lets the ball get into his body. I think he has a very high floor, very safe player. Number three, we have his teammate, DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss. Now, I've seen these Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones comparisons. He is not either of those players. In my opinion, he's more of a a Stephen Hill coming out of college. And that's not as bad as it it sounds because he is my number three. But he has this freak athleticism, but also injury concerns. One thing that really bothered me about Metcalf, just on tape, is that he's not necessarily slow out of his breaks. I think he can be quick and agile, but I think that he takes too many steps in and out of his breaks, which I feel is something that could definitely easily be coached. He's obviously an athletic freak, a high ceiling, and when I think of ideal landing spots for him, I see Buffalo at nine. I mean, imagine... Robert Foster succeeding with Josh Allen on the go routes. Imagine Metcalf in that role. It would be Robert Foster times a thousand. One thing that bothers me, though, lack of production, never reached 40 receptions or 700 yards in college. I know that's because of the injuries, but that's definitely a red flag. Number four, I have Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. One thing that really worries me about Hakeem Butler is his late breakout age. He didn't break out until he was 21 years old. And I know that has to do with the fact that he was a low-profile recruit. But last year, he had Alan Lazard in front of him, who proved that he can't really be an NFL talent, and Butler was still unable to put up fantastic numbers. And Matt, I'm sorry, I know he's your guy, but there's just a couple red flags. (gasps) Oh, great Odin's Raven! However, this past season, he busted out in a big way, 1,300-plus yards and nine touchdowns. He suffers a bit from drops, but for a 6'5 guy, he is absolutely unreal after the catch. I mean, four four eight forty speed. I honestly think he has. I honestly think he has an AJ Green light type ceiling with proper coaching. But there are just a lot of red flags. Too many to have him in my top three. Number five, I have Calvin Harmon out of NC State. He's an older prospect, proved to be fairly unathletic at the combine. A little slow out of his breaks, but one thing that I loved on film is that he's extremely refined in his route running techniques. He can set up defenders with his route running, but one thing that I wonder is if he's quick enough to do it in the NFL because he's shown that he struggles with athleticism running in the four sixes. He's extremely physical at the catch point, which I love to see from a wide receiver, but he's a body catcher, which I hate to see from a wide receiver. So I'm a little going back and forth on Kelvin Harmon, but I feel like the physical at the catch point, the physicality is something you can't really teach, but the body catching is something you can. So I feel like he'll definitely improve on that with NFL coaching. Overall, I think he's just a really well-rounded prospect with great production in college. Number six, I have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. I was shocked to see that he was only six foot two because he plays so much bigger than his frame. He's a very fluid route runner for someone of his size, a hands catcher, which I love to see. And I believe strongly that he's the best red zone threat in the class with 14 touchdowns this past season. He absolutely blazed a 4-4-9-40 at his pro day. And coming in, I feel like he was a bit underrated. I do not feel like that anymore because he's getting some crazy hype on Twitter. Uh, Number seven, we have Marquise Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. He's the guy that will absolutely take the top off your defense. In 2017, he was extremely productive. He had over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. In 2018, he was even more productive. 
he had over 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. But then you look at his quarterbacks and you see that he had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, who are probably two back-to-back first overall picks in the NFL draft. So he was able to produce with NFL talent at quarterback in college, but you got to kind of worry about, is he going to be able to land on a team that can throw a deep ball as pretty as Baker and Kyler? He's 5'9", 166, and he suffers from the Liz Frank injury in his leg, or in his foot, which really scares me because on speedy wide receivers, that's just, that just gives me cause for concern. Number eight, I have Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. He reminds me of a Golden Tate type player, how he's very quick and precise out of his breaks, but he becomes a running back after the catch. This past season, he had 11 touchdowns, which shows in his stats and on film that he's really effective in the red zone for a smaller wide receiver. He had an NFL talented, NFL talent caliber wide receiver playing beside him in Brian Edwards, and he still put up solid numbers, which is a big thumbs up, big thumbs up for me. He's a bit of an older prospect. I think he'll be a very solid player in the NFL. Not great, and he doesn't necessarily excite me from a prospect standpoint, but if I can snag him early in the second round of my rookie drafts, sign me up. I'm all for it. Number nine, we have Paris Campbell out of Ohio State. He's I'm not a huge fan of Paris Campbell, but really draft capital saying that he may go in the late first round of the NFL draft puts him inside my top ten wide receivers. One thing that has me wondering is he blazed a 4-3-1 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine, but his average depth of target was only 4.5 yards in college, which kind of shows me that he's a bit one-dimensional, doesn't necessarily have the route running or the skill set to be able to be sent deep. But I think he'd be a great fit on a team like Detroit, being paired with a guy like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, two other guys that can stretch the field where Paris Campbell can kind of operate in the middle. Number 10, we have Andy Isabella out of UMass. Uh, People look at Andy Isabella's frame, see that he's a smaller guy and think he's a slot. But I see, you know, with his 4.31 speed, I see more of a Brandon Cooks guy that you can play in the middle of the field or send deep. Uh, He came out of a smaller school, UMass, but he has a 97% dominator rating, which just absolutely pops off the page to me. Almost 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns in his most recent collegiate season, and he absolutely thrived against SEC competition. He had 219 yards and two touchdowns against Georgia, which to me is a huge predictor of his NFL success because he's going up against pro-caliber cornerbacks. One thing that I'm kind of on the fence about with Isabella is watching his film. You see that he often lets the balls get into his stomach. He doesn't really catch him with his hands as much as you'd like to see, so that's one moderate red flag for me but overall i like andy isabella as a prospect enough to put him in my top 10 receivers at number 11 i have greg dorch wide receiver out of wake forest he is extremely young and a fantastic precise route runner i see a lot of jamison crowder in his game he's just watching his film you see that he's really good at finding holes in defensive zones just a smart player overall he's only 5'7 which is a bit of a red flag but he's extremely scrappy and really just does everything well he is I mean, he'll get his hands dirty. He'll block 15 yards down the field. He's just a guy whose film you really enjoy watching. He's a big sleeper of mine. I expect him to fall into day three of the NFL draft, and I will absolutely be scooping him up in rookie drafts if he falls to the third round of rookie drafts. And at number 12, running us off, we have Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State. He wasn't necessarily productive at Ohio State until his senior year, but he absolutely burst onto the scene with his combine and senior bowl performance. He impressed in special teams, which to me is an underrated aspect because as a rookie, 
if you receive late draft capital, but you're a fantastic special teams player, you're going to get on the field. So that's why I'm a big fan of McClure, and I feel like even if he doesn't thrive as a wide, as a wide receiver right away, he's going to get on the field because he's such a sp- fantastic special teams player. However, I worry that he may not be a difference maker from a fantasy perspective for the reason that I just said. He may be more of an, a player that NFL teams covet, but fantasy owners might not be as big a fan of because of his skills on special teams. I'm worried that he may be you know, allocated to special teams duties and maybe not as many snaps as wide receiver. But holy cow, talk about how quick he is out of his breaks. I mean, this guy's route running is so precise, similar to Dorch. I just smaller guy, but I absolutely love his route running. Yeah, and I, I like McLaurin. I, I just think he's going to be, his draft capital is going to really impact his opportunity early in his career. If he gets taken in round three or very early round four, I could see him getting a shot at receiver. But if it's after that, I think people are going to view him, the team is going to view him as a special teams guy. And he, he's going to have to work his way up through the special teams, and he's not going to really be able to make an impact early. So that that's probably my biggest hesitation with, with McLaurin. No, I, I totally agree. I think, which kind of goes hand-in-hand with what I was saying about the whole not being a huge different maker from a fantasy perspective, more for an NFL team, I think it's very dependent on his draft capital, like you were saying. We start off very similar. and, and So my top 12, I have A.J. Brown at one. Uh, for the same reason you have Nikhil Harry, uh, I think Brown has the much safer floor. Um, very, I, He can play inside, he can play outside. When Metcalf was out, he moved outside, he put up numbers, uh, and, which was, you know, in watching the tape of him, it was surprising anybody put up any numbers with that quarterback, to be perfectly honest. Some of it, some of that, some of his play was just brutal and, uh, to think I've seen some people talk about him as a draftable option. I, I'm kind of stunned. Uh, but Brown, he put up some good numbers, and, and he's a, a big guy, uh, can play inside, can play outside. And I feel like he's somebody that's going to be able to uh, step in right away uh, and play. He has, a, uh, he has route versatility and great catcher, can catch the ball really well. Uh, at number two, I've got Nikhil Harry. I, I heard the talk about his speed and, and the concerns about it. And one thing that really sort of, you know, you know, I try not to watch just highlight tapes, but there was a punt return that he had that he took for a touchdown that he kind of, he ran through and around and away people, away from people on that, that return. And w- when I saw that, I thought, well, you know, I, I'm going to say he's probably, you know, it may, he might not clock a four, four, five in the 40-yard dash, but there's not a big gap between his play speed and his 40 time then. So he, he, he plays fast. Uh, I have Hakeem Butler at number three. Uh, I like, uh, I, I actually, in uh, my recent article I put out on Dynasty Nerds, I put Butler at uh, his ideal landing spot in Buffalo. You know he's got good speed, um, but he is—he's he, the biggest receiver. He's—he's he's a red zone threat. He can get up in the air, and I think he'll do well with a relatively inaccurate quarterback. 
he's probably the one that would best fit there. Um, at number four, I have Debo Samuel. He's just a baller. He probably, uh, I in my article, I, I put him uh, at Detroit as well. I, I thought that if he could go in and slide into that slot with Detroit and replace Golden Tate, um, Matthew Stafford will, will love him, and he'd be a rookie with 125 targets. You know, he can get open. Uh, he fights for the ball, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he, he's he's a beast. Um, number five, I've got DK Metcalf. Uh, you know, I'm I, I keep trying to to buy into Metcalf more, and you know, I. I just don't see, I'm not seeing anything special other than he's fast and muscular. And, and I don't know how that translate translates to being not only a, a really good wide receiver in the NFL, but especially a really good fantasy player. He seems to me like he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be super frustrating to have on your team because he's going to have these games where he has four passes for 182 yards and two touchdowns, and then he goes three games where he combines for three three catches for 52 yards and, and nothing else. So I feel like he's going, to, he's going to spend his entire career being boom or bust, which is going to make him uh, not a great fantasy asset. Maybe he can shake it off with coaching, maybe not. Uh, at number six, I have one of Matt's favorites in uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I, I like his game. He he probably, uh, if he was, if he played faster, you know, I know he timed pretty well. Um, but if he played faster and could separate a little better, I'd probably have him over Metcalf. Um, you know, Metcalf, if they give him a cushion, he's going to eat up that cushion and get by him pretty fast. And given how fast he is, I think he'll be... Uh, he'll get opportunities to uh, play against the cushion. Whereas Whiteside, I think he's going to have people bodying him up, uh, but he's shown that that doesn't really matter. He's still going to catch the ball and do something with it. Number seven, I've got Kelvin Harmon. Uh, I like Harmon's game. Nice route runner. Uh, again, he's uh, very similar to Whiteside in that he doesn't uh, always separate very well, though I think he does uh, play a little faster than his four six three speed. Uh, number eight, I have Paris Campbell. You know, I, I struggle with him sometimes as somebody who's, uh, spent the last 30 years living here in Columbus and watching Ohio state players, uh, with that, some, some of that depth of target stuff isn't his fault. Some of it, uh, I, I'm going to attribute 70% of it to urban Meyer and the offense that urban Meyer runs and urban looks at Paris and says, Hey, you can do these things better than anybody else. And so when I have you out there, I'm going to have you doing that almost exclusively. Um, and I get NF or NCAA coaches' jobs isn't to develop NFL players. Their job is to win games so they can keep their jobs. So Campbell's going to have to come in, and he's going to have to spend some time working with uh, somebody who's a route technician and really get that technique refined. Because he's got the speed to be able to uh, separate, and if he can get, if he can refine his routes, uh, I think he's got the agility that say somebody like Metcalf doesn't have to be able to uh, have a, a much bigger route tree and, and be able to perform in that manner. Uh, and number nine, I have Marquise Brown. 
again, you know, pretty much after seven, uh, six or seven, I kind of start to struggle with, with these guys. They all have some pretty big flaws. Brown, you know, I agree with you. He, he played with two NFL caliber quarterbacks, uh, though I have my doubts about Murray a little bit, uh, about how good he can actually be. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch Brown's development, and, and will he be able to stay healthy after having the Liz Frank injury? Uh, number 10, uh, got Miles Boykin. He's a big guy. Um, played, you know, he played with probably worse quarterbacks than uh, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf for a good portion of his career there at Notre Dame. But he's a six foot four, two, uh, 220, uh, 4.45 in the 40. And uh, I, I think he's going to uh, impress some people when he gets his opportunity. Uh, number 11, uh, Preston Williams at Colorado State. Uh, he started out at, uh, I believe, Tennessee, had some issues uh, with Butch Jones, uh, didn't really get much of an opportunity, had some domestic issues, transferred to Colorado State. Um, he's, he's got some, he's a little bit raw. He's quite raw around the edges. But, man, he makes some plays, and he's big and fast. He's another one of those 6'4", 210, 4'4", guys. And then coming in at number 12 for me is uh, another is a small school guy. Um, but he's a, he is definitely a big man on campus, uh, and that's Ashton Doolin out of Malone. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. 6'1", six one, six foot one, 215. Uh, played at a small school, and, and Doolin uh, only had 700 yards in receptions last year, but he had close to a 30% market share. So it wasn't that he wasn't putting up numbers. It was that they just didn't throw the ball at Malone University. But when they did, he dominated. And he's a big guy. He's got good speed, good, pretty good route runner. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, uh, he's probably my favorite small school guy. All right. Well, mine are going to be uh, very different than both of yours. So it's uh feels like it's a, a trend here lately with uh, the ranks that I've had with you, Dennis, and, and all the other guests we've been bringing on. Uh, so my number one is Metcalf. Um, you know, for me, I'm just I'm not going to overthink how fast and strong he is. He's a dominant vertical threat, in my opinion. I do think uh, something that both of you touched on uh, with the – I think, Kyle, you're the one who said it. Sometimes he uses too many steps getting in and out of breaks and everything, and I agree with that. But I think if he ends up in a place that's going to use him as a deep threat, we saw the speed that he had at the combine. I think he has the most upside and untapped potential out of this class. Number two for me is Hakeem Butler. Um, extremely good athletic testing. Uh, I think he has got – his ceiling is just a notch below Metcalf's. Um, he is a bit boomer bust, as, as you talked about. He had – has had issues with drops here the past season, but I don't think that that's going to be an issue at the next level. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Number three for me is A.J. Brown. Uh, something Dennis touched on when Metcalf went out, he moved from the slot to the outside. A lot of people keep want, want to keep talking about how he only played in the slot. He didn't. He actually moved to the outside and still looked decent. I think he can play all over. I think he is probably, I guess the way I would put it is he's got the most, uh, I think, consistent is where I would put him. I think he has the best chance to be re really good or in the middle. I don't see him having as much downside as some of the others in this class. Um, number four for me is Nikhil Harry, and I struggle putting him there because I think uh, much like the next player right behind him, he has separation issues, and I don't think that he does a very good job getting away from corners. Now, 
when he catches the ball, he's a, he's extremely good after the catch. He can get a lot of yards. He's also very good at going up and getting the ball. He's a very physical receiver. He's going to be, I think, a good wide receiver in the NFL, but I don't think he's that good against the, uh, against press coverage or physical cornerbacks, which he's going to see a lot of at the next level. My next uh, wide receiver is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. You know, I'm, I'm very big on Whiteside. Uh, he's a little bit of a better separator, I think, than Nikhil Harry, but not much better, but he is very good at high-pointing the ball. One of the best, I think actually the best in this class that contested catches, uh, but does need to work on kind of his deep routes and, again, uh, just being a better route runner, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I don't think that he's very good, but he's definitely an awesome player, a fun player to watch, and he's really good in the red zone. After J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I have Kelvin Harmon. I uh, dropped him a little bit. He was number three for me early on, but I think some of the physical testing um, and everything he did at the Combine has kind of dropped him down um, a little bit for me. After him, I have Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. I've moved him up based on a lot of people talking about how good he was, uh, what he looked like at his pro day. I actually kind of liked going back and watching some of his tape. He's got a good frame, strong vision, very elusive after the catch, which I think is a big deal. Um, and someone not a lot of people are talking about. Uh, I'm really big on him now. Uh, I like having him up there. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes in the draft. It's something I think Dennis touched on. Drafts uh, landing spot is going to be key for a lot of these guys. What was that? That was my number six. So at number seven, I have Preston Williams. He's a guy that I've gotten onto because of Dennis, and I believe Jared was the other one who was talking to us about him a lot. I've really liked what I've seen out of him. I know a lot of people kind of soured on him a little bit at his pro day where he ran much slower than many thought he would. Uh, from what I've seen on tape, he's he's looked ecstatic. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. Got to stay off or got to stay out of trouble off the field that's going to be a big deal for him but uh, I do think if he's able to stay on the field he's going to be good next for me is Marquise Hollywood Brown again just speed that he's going to be a huge home run threat I do kind of see him as almost like a Deshaun Jackson light going into the NFL and so I do agree with Kyle that he's going to have to get with a quarterback that can throw the deep ball you know again the perfect pick would be Patrick Mahomes I obviously don't see him going to Kansas City but if he can end up with someone that can get the ball to him deep he's going to be lights out in the NFL. Next up is Terry McLaurin for me. Um, everything, you know, Dennis touched on it uh, a little bit when he was talking about it with you, Kyle, when you uh, told, talked about him being your number 12. Uh, I think Urban Meyer was the one that held him back. Love Urban, love what he did for Ohio State, but uh, he... His offensive game plans were not, um, I would say, modern NFL or modern college, even what we're seeing now. It was a lot more of the quarterbacks that were runners, not very good throwers. We saw him break out a little bit this past year because Dwayne Haskins could actually throw the ball compared to JT Barrett. Love me some JT Barrett, but he was not the most accurate passer anywhere on the field, to be honest. Uh, so it was, it was good seeing him break out a little bit here this past year. I do think that he is going to be more than a special teams player, but I do agree with Dennis. I think he's going to take more than a year. He's probably one of these guys, um, almost like a Tyler Boyd, that's going to take two or three years before he breaks out in the NFL. Number 10 for me is Debo Samuel. Uh, Dennis, you've the one who's really, uh, you and again, you and Jared have really kind of turned me around on him. I had him much lower, but the more and more you guys have talked about how good he's looked on film, obviously has athletic testing at the combine. I've really started to turn around on him, so I've got him up there at 10 now. 11 for me is Paris Campbell. He's my one right now in my top 12 that I'm a little worried about because I could see him becoming a very gadgety player in the NFL. Uh, he's obviously got extreme 
and lightning speed. Fastest at the combine right there with Andy Isabella. Um, and I do think if he's used in the right way, I like, uh, I like to liken him to Tyree Kill and how Kansas City uses Tyree Kill. If he can get on a team that will use him like that, I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL uh, just based on his speed and his elusiveness after the catch. And then number 12 uh, for me is Emmanuel Hall. That's all of our top 12s. Was I the only one who had Emmanuel Hall in my top 12? I can't remember if you just said him or not, Dennis. No, uh, you are. Uh, I actually, uh, I, I, he's right on the edge for me. I, uh, I, I was looking at him uh, in Preston Williams, very in Ashton gotcha. Doolin, all really close together. And uh, it, in the end, I ended up giving uh, the edge to, to Williams and Doolin. Okay. And looking at my top 12 also, I, I didn't have Hall in there either. But, you know, looking at my rankings, I didn't have Hall in my top 12 either. But I'm looking at some of these topics that we're about to hit on, and Hall is definitely going to be one of the players that I talk about, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll leave that for now. But Hall is definitely a player that I have some pretty strong opinions on. All right, well, since you already segued into the questions for me, my first question that I have for you guys on the wide receivers is how many of those do you think that can produce a la the 2014 wide receiver class? That was when we had guys like Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins. We were just saying off-air, Dennis was talking about uh, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned Jarvis Landry. So it was a loaded wide receiver class that all produced almost immediately their first year. We haven't really seen that since Amari Cooper as well. Again, Cooper Cup did it. Uh, here recently, but not quite as good as any of those guys. So if all these wide receivers in your top 12 landed in the perfect landing spot for them, how many do you think could produce this year if the season started tomorrow? Well, I'm looking at my top tier right here, and I see Nikhil Harry at number one, A.J. Brown at number two. And then when we get to Metcalf at number three, I see a bit of a drop-off. So that kind of screams to me, I see two guys that I think could you know, kind of in their rookie season, perform similar to the way the 2014 class did their rookie season. And when I look at ideal landing spots, and I'm looking at Nikhil Harry, Indianapolis at 26 just screams the perfect fit. I mean, you've got T.Y. on the outside, and if you alternate Harry, you know, from the slot to the outside with Andrew Luck for the next five years, I think that would be an absolute match made in heaven. And then I look at A.J. Brown. The thing that screams a perfect fit to me is if only the Redskins would trade for Josh Rosen, and then snag A.J. Brown. I just feel like that would be such a perfect fit with A.J. Brown operating out of the slot and the outside, similar to Harry, because I feel like Brown's such a well-rounded prospect as well. Those are the two guys that really scream productive their rookie season for me, especially if they land in a perfect landing spot. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts! Man, Kyle, it's like you read my article or something. (laughs) I had uh, I had Harry. Uh, my ideal landing spot for Harry was uh, Indianapolis as well. I felt like uh, you know he he is what I think a lot of people want Devin Funches to be. He's that big slot guy that can that that has athletic ability and, and much better hands, and that would be uh, with. Putting him there with uh, with Andrew Luck, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, uh, that that would really he, he would he would be putting up numbers uh, immediately. Uh, I had uh, A.J. Brown pegged to go to the Redskins as well, and while yeah, I'd love to see Josh Rosen go there or maybe them grab somebody in the draft. 
there there's worse things than having a mediocre quarterback because when you're playing from behind you're throwing the football and and that's good for fantasy so if if they uh you know if if they get in a situation where uh, AJ Brown goes to Washington and he ends up stepping up and being that uh that alpha receiver and really you know pushing Quinn and Richardson down into the slot and and relegating Dotson to the occasional first down red zone kind of guy uh, you know that would be that would be great so i could see definitely see those two guys butler is somebody that i think could step in and given where he goes you know i guess if the question is do i think that we can match 2014 with this class no i don't i don't think i just don't think it's has the the elite players that that class did but i do think um i would say i would put the number at 4.5 that could be top 24 wide receivers okay if they land in the right spot you know i had pegged dk metcalf at pittsburgh and while i got a little bit of pushback from that uh i think metcalf and washington on the outside there with juju in the slot and when they're in just two wide receiver sets juju and one of the other two those those guys that can pull that defense down the field and allow Juju that room to work. And Ben's not afraid to take that shot down there. And if you've got a guy that's 6'3 and strong as hell, can go up and get the ball, you know, to me that screamed like a fit for me. All right, so for me, I've got a, I've got five that I think could in, in Metcalf, Brown, Butler, Harry, and Whiteside. Whiteside more based on his red zone value. I think if him him going to any team, I really think he's the one who could produce out of all these guys right away because of his contested catch and high-pointing ability. Down in the red zone, he could be almost what uh, Eric Ebron was last year for, Eric, for Andrew Luck, just going to him all the time. I could see that working out for him very well. Butler, um, I've, I've seen a lot of comparisons of him to Calvin Johnson, and that's another reason why I think he could produce right away. I actually had him mocked to Green Bay earlier. I did a, a couple uh, mocks with the Back Row Fantasy Show, and I actually had him landing in uh, Green Bay a couple times. I think that'd be an amazing fit for him if he could get there and be paired outside or on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. I don't think any of those wide receivers last year, as much as I liked MVS and um, – my goodness, why did I just forget his name? And the Equinemius St. Brown ESB, as much as I like those two, I think Hakeem Butler would be a step above both of them if he went there. Um, and then Metcalf Brown, I really think almost no matter where they land, they'll have a chance to produce year one just based on their skill. Again, Metcalf, though, I think is more landing spot dependent just based on his skill set. And then Harry, um, I'm kind of right there with Whiteside on him. I think that he's... He's going to be good almost, I think, no matter where he goes, but I think he needs to be more of a slot wide receiver than an outside wide receiver, so I think landing spot uh, matters for him a lot as well. But I like what you said, Dennis, on the 4.5. If I had to take the over-under, I would take the over because I've got got the 5. Would you guys take the over or under on the 4.5? I'm going to take the under. I think think 4 is the cap. Okay. Um, Part of it, you know, Metcalf had a 9.1% drop rate, and so I I think he's going to – you know, he'll struggle with that when he gets to the NFL and he's playing against uh, NFL-quality cornerbacks every week. He's going to have to really clean that up. And with when you add a limited route tree and uh, the propensity to, to not catch the ball, 
Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to – I think he'll be one of those um, – he's going to end up being a guy that, that may develop, but he may also be that guy that just spends five years oozing potential and frustration. Yeah, and if we're looking at over under 4.5, I'm looking at six guys that I think that I'm confident will be very solid fantasy assets and solid NFL players at some point in their career, that six being – Harry, A.J. Brown, Metcalf, Butler, Harmon, and Arcega Whiteside. But if I'm looking at who I think can produce in their rookie season, all of the 2014 wide receiver class, I got to take the under. I mean, Harry and A.J. Brown just stand out to me as these top-tier guys, and they're the ones I'm confident can perform up to that level, but I just don't feel great about any of the other guys. Who is your best bet to take a couple years to develop and will then become a high-end wide receiver? You know, I'll talk about my guy first. I've already referenced him uh, in Terry McLaurin. I don't expect him to be a wide receiver one, so I don't want people to misconstrue high-end, but I do think that he can get up as high as a wide receiver two high-end value, land in that middle to high-end wide receiver two territory. But I do think he's someone that's going to need a couple years to develop, and and I think Metcalf kind of fits that uh, area as well. Again, he's got a lot of untapped potential, but if he's put in with a good coach, which I believe both of you touched on, and they're able to develop him, he could become an absolute stud. Kyle, who do you have that you think is going to take a couple years to develop? One guy that really stands out to me is Greg Dorch out of Wake Forest. Love his game overall, but he seems like one of those guys – that could break out late in the NFL. I feel like he needs to land on a team that will utilize him properly because he's not your typical wide receiver. He's five foot seven, but he's a kind of guy where on his second NFL contract, where he gets the opportunity to pick a team of his own, where he thinks he'll be a good fit. That's when I think Greg Dorch could really go from, you know, solid NFL player that could be, you know, a wide receiver four on your fantasy team to maybe a low end wide receiver two if he lands in the right spot. You know, for me, I, I had uh, three guys there at the back end of my top 12 with, in Miles Boykin, Preston Williams, and Ashton Doolin. And if I'm looking at them and saying, which one of these guys is going to get redshirted for a couple years to develop and has the potential to become a top 24, uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to put my money on Preston Williams. He just has, uh, he's got a little, little bit, more of a pedigree I think when he came into college more off-field issues I think than anybody on my list but he's gonna uh, he's big he's fast he's shown the ability to catch the ball you know uh, Jared Wackerly uh, did a nice film study on him it's uh, it's interesting to take a look at that and, and see so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on Preston Williams and what year is it now? 19, 2021, Preston Williams is going to be a wide receiver two minimum. Holy shnikes. Okay. I like it. Interesting. All right. If you had to stake your entire reputation on one player being a pro bowler for years to come out of this group, who would it be for you, Kyle? Well, this is where we get into your number 12 receiver, I believe. Could be wrong, but this is where we get into Emmanuel Hall, who is a big sleeper of mine. Looking through his film, he's a great deep threat, but I also find that he's extremely physical at the catch point, which is something you don't really see from deep threats very often, so that's one thing that immediately stood out to me on film. He had over 800 yards and at least six touchdowns in two of his last, in both of his last two years in college, so productive right away, that's a check. He had some injury concerns, which are, which is the main reason as to why I think he will fall, and that's the reason why he fell out of my top 12. 
Um, he's a very willing blocker on film, real scrappy again, just like Dorch, he'll block you 15 yards down the field. So I'm confident he'll have chances to get on the field early. One thing he needs to improve upon are his release moves. But I found on film is that he's great at making these subtle moves to get separation from cornerbacks on deep routes, which while it may not be, you know, the sharp cut that you're looking for, it may just be, you know, using your eyes to look one way or just using your hips to make it look like you're going to go left, but in reality you go right. And lastly, I'm a UF student, so we watch a lot of Missouri. I'm always impressed by Hall. I mean, he always stands out to me. For me, if I'm looking at my top 12 here and saying, you know, essentially I guess we're saying who's going to be the best, who's going to, you know, I'm going to plant my flag in A.J. Brown. He comes with, uh, he's probably the most ready wide receiver of this group coming in. He's, he can play multiple positions along. He can play uh, along the line of scrimmage already. So he's he's got that versatility all already uh, in his uh, package. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. You know, if he has to improve anything, uh, some of it is just he didn't face a lot of press in college, uh, in part because he was in the slot uh, for a good portion of his time. So if he can, uh, if he lines up outside, he's going to have to prove he can beat press coverage consistently. If he can maintain his focus and, and work ethic, that I, I don't see anything uh, that's going to stop him from being the number one wide receiver in this class. Now, does that mean he's going to be the flashiest? Uh, no, because I, I don't think that's that's what he is. He's kind of like Mike Evans in that regard. You know, ever. Evans can be a polarizing player, but in the end, when you sit down and look at the numbers, you're like, man, this dude just keeps putting up 1,300-yard seasons, and while his touchdowns can have some uh, inconsistency, he just keeps catching the ball and making plays, and I think in five years, if we look back at this group, you know, we might see, uh, you know, Hakeem Butler or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with a monster touchdown season or two. You know, we might see Metcalf with, uh, you know, or Hollywood Brown with a season where they had, you know, 15 or 16 yards per catch. Um, but I think overall you'll look at it and it'll be like, wow, uh, A.J. Brown, you know, consistently putting up 80 to 100 catches and, you know, 1,000 to 1,300 yards and 6 to 10 touchdowns year after year after year. Yeah, I love what you said about Evans in regards to Brown. I think I totally agree. So for me, I'm going to stick kind of in what Dennis did, and I'm just going to stick with my guy. I'm going to keep riding the train. He's kind of like a, a big choo-choo train. It's going to be Hakeem Butler. I can't, I can't give up on him. I, I can't stop now. It's, it's too far gone. The train has left the station. It's not coming back. We're, we're way too far down this road for me to bail on him now. I think he's going to end up being a pro bowler for years to come. And when we look back on this class – I truly think people are going to look at this and be like, why did everybody have him so low? Why wasn't he up there as the 1-1? And I'll be standing here raising my hand right next to the Ronald Jones flag that I planted that he is he, he's magnificent and amazing and going to be the best wide receiver in the class. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. You have no idea how bad it gets. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> All right. 
Same question, but as a bust. If you had to stake your entire reputation on one player in your top 12 becoming a bust because we know it happens every year, who would it be for you, Kyle? And Dennis, I'm sorry about this because pretty sure you had him in your top 10, maybe even number 10, but for me, it's Miles Boykin. I hope you flip your bike over and knock your two front teeth out, you selfish son of a bitch. I mean, looking at his combine numbers, he ran a 4-4-240, but on film, that just it just doesn't pair up. On film, it looks like he's running with concrete in his shoes, honestly. I mean, he's slow out of his brakes, and that he looks more like a tight end to me than a wide receiver. I think he's just a, you know, quote-unquote athletic guy at the combine based on his numbers. He's 6'4", 220, 94% spark athlete, but he only had 18th percentile breakout age, which, boom, there's a red flag right there. He didn't top 300 yards or three touchdowns until his final season in college. So again, that goes hand-in-hand with the 18th percentile breakout age. And to me, he just, he screams physical bust that isn't really physical on film, that just really tested well, in my opinion. I can see your point there, and and as I uh, cleverly stall while I pull something up. All right, so that last year, Notre Dame passed for roughly 3,300 yards. So I, I suppose I can buy the argument of market share, but when you have a team that's not really producing, the argument with Ashton Doolin was, well, he had a large market share in his school, you know, I'm I I, I, I want I want to say uh, you're you're crazy, um, but I guess I'm arguing in my head both sides of the argument and figuring out how to frame it so I win, and I'm being unsuccessful. <laughs> this is not good for my image. Do you have a bust then, Dennis? Or are you going to stick with your own? Guy well, none of my boy? guys in my top twelve are going to bust. Let me look at your list real quick. Oh, I can give you a couple of bust. <laughs> <if you> want. <laughs> uh, where's my list here? If I thought, if you know, for me, honestly, I think the the guy with the biggest, I, I think Metcalf has the biggest potential for bust because I think he's going to uh, probably have the highest draft capital invested in in him, mm-hmm. which makes the bust bigger. Um, but Paris Campbell concerns me. Uh, as much as I like him and as much as I'm an Ohio State fan, I, I have concerns he's going to get wrapped up in that gadget thing and just never be able to get out of it. And and if that ends up, it, it'll, it'll be like when he was at Ohio State and Urban Meyer said, here are the three things you do well, and I'm going to have you do them over and over again. And if he gets to the NFL and he's, he gets thrown into that same situation, it's gonna it'll make it hard because you just can't, Sometimes you just can't change people's minds or they they give you one opportunity to change it. And if you don't hit the first time, they don't give you another opportunity. Yeah, I could see that. See, I was I was arguing between in my head between three players in Metcalf, Campbell. Since you already touched on both of those, I'm going to go with the third one. I think Marquise Brown could end up being a bust, and I hate to say that because he was so electric in college, obviously watching him play with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, The Liz Frank injury does worry me a little bit as well, as you touched on earlier, Kyle. And in all honesty, I think he, out of my top 12, is just like Paris Campbell, and landing spot is huge for those guys. As I talked about with Campbell, and I know you were just touching on Dennis, if they don't get used the right way and in the right offense, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were in college. And I think that more for Brown than Campbell because we didn't always see that out of Campbell, but we did out of Brown. Most of his plays, and I don't want people to just go back and watch his highlights. If you go back and watch all of the games, 
most of the times it's him going deep and burning people. And if he ends up in with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, although he may only be there for one more year, but if he ends up somewhere with a quarterback who's not going to throw him the ball deep, I just don't see him being as productive as he was in college. And I do think he's someone else that's going to have a lot of high draft capital put to him. I do think he's going to go high in the second round, if not possibly at the end of the first, though I think the injury is going to drop him down some into the second round now. But there was a lot of talk, obviously, at the beginning of the season, uh, the pre or offseason stuff before the Liz Frank injury really came out, that he was going to be the 1-1 of this draft for wide receivers. So... I really do think that if he goes high in the second round and he doesn't go to an offense that's going to use him the right way, he could quickly uh, become a bust and not get another chance really to prove himself. Who out of your top 12 here do you think could be the Calvin Ridley of this year uh, or this past year uh, coming out of the draft? So, How are you defining the Calvin Ridley? The what, best, do, what do you mean by that? We'll, we'll put it the best rookie wide receiver of the year. He, he was the best from this year. Um, you know, obviously a lot of that I think is the touchdowns as we've both touched on because I'm not that really a big uh, fan of Calvin Ridley. But out of this, out of your top 12, who do you think is going to end up as the best rookie wide receiver when we're doing our recap show at the end of the 2019 season? I'll put it that way. Yeah, well, when I'm looking at my rookies and I'm looking at who I think is going to be most productive year one, I got to go with my guy, Nikhil Harry. And I'll put a little asterisk there as long as he does not land in baltimore because i am horrified that either harry or brown is going to land with lamar jackson and his 13 passing attempts per game but assuming that fit does not happen i am confident that harry will be the wide receiver one of this rookie crop just the rookie year i do see aj brown maybe giving him a run for his money if he lands in a good spot like indy maybe san francisco or even Arizona if they draft Kyler Murray. But right now I'm sticking with my guns, going with McKeel Harry. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with mine and go with A.J. Brown. I, I feel like he's you know, he's got the most versatility. Uh, I, I could see Harry outscoring him touchdown-wise, but I think Brown will make up for it in, in catches and yards. Um, but we'll see. We'll have this debate again once the uh, draft is over. Yeah, for sure, because as much as I hate to admit this and, and be the boring answer like you both have, uh, I'm sticking with Butler as well. I think he's going to end up being the best this year based solely on what I think he's going to be able to do in the red zone, and again, assuming he lands on a good team. Who out of your top 12 do you think is going to be the worst out of this wide receiver group? Uh, that someone that, I mean, it could be, I'll just go first. Uh, mine's going to be DK Metcalf. I don't. As much as I like his potential and his upside, I don't see him producing this year. I do think that he needs to develop a little bit more, so I think he's the one that's going to be the worst out of all these wide receivers, at least for this one year. Who do you got, Kyle? Well, when I'm looking at my top 12, you normally think, you know, my worst of the top 12 is going to be my number 12, but I could see it being the receiver who I think is the most overrated in this draft, and that's Paris Campbell. I mean, like both you guys were saying earlier. How dare you? Ooh, that was below the belt. Try to keep the gloves up. How dare I'm, you? I'm sorry. I know about the Ohio State fandom, <laughs> but he just he scream he just screams gadget player to me. And I understand what you were saying about the 4.5 average depth of target. How that may be a little skewed. But when I'm looking at wide receivers, I want to see I want to see them beating the corner with you know not only speed and athleticism, but more importantly to me, it's precision and route running. And while Paris Campbell's very quick out of his breaks... Look out! I've got cat-like speed and reflexes. He often rounds a lot of his routes out, which is, you know, 
big thumbs down for me just in terms of translating their game into the NFL. And that's why Paris Campbell just screams gadget player who's never really going to put up big numbers, but could be solid in PPR, similar to maybe like a like a Curtis Samuel White. I think uh, Hollywood Brown is the one that I think has the most potential to bust. You know, I'm not, I, I, I just, you know, I, I see Tavon Austin and I see Deshaun Jackson and it, it just, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And, and admittedly, I'm team big wide receiver and I know it. And so that might be part of it, but he's going to be coming in, coming off an injury. What's that going to do for his development early in the season? How much will that hold him back? Uh, how easy will it be for that foot to get dinged up again? You know, if he gets stepped on or something and and uh, ends up with uh, another Liz Frank injury or something. So, I don't know. I, I, I have Brown at nine because he does have that boom potential. If he, if he didn't have that boom potential, he'd be much further down on my list. So, I, I think uh, Marquise Brown is, is the one I would pick to disappoint. Okay, well, since both of you, I think, talked about the you're overrated as well in that answer, we'll go ahead and, and skip that one and go to who is the most underrated? Who is the wide receiver that you are just loving on on this entire process and you don't understand why he's not getting enough love all around Twitter and all around the NFL and you just can't understand why? Who is that for you, Kyle? If this receiver can fix the one thing that I mentioned earlier, and that's catching the ball away from his body on contested passes, I see no reason as to why Kelvin Harmon should not be in everybody's top five. And I know, you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Marquise Brown, Paris Campbell, those guys are kind of knocking on the door into the top five. But one thing that just stands out to me about Harmon that I've been harping on this entire time is just his precision as a route runner and his ability to set up defenders through his route running. He may not be the quickest, but he's going to work the defender. He worked defenders with extremely high level of competition. He's going to do the same thing at the NFL level. I think Kelvin Harmon should be cemented in the top five of everyone's rookie rankings, and I'm not confident that he will be there after the NFL draft because I could see his stock falling into the third round. But I think once he gets onto an NFL field and people start to see you know, what he can do once they see the traits that he portrayed in college, I think he's going to shoot up rookie rankings. The, the thing with Har- this class in general is that, that there's just so many warts. The almost all of the there's no perfect player, and so it's really it, it it's really hard when you talk about a guy like Harmon and, and where they land. For me, uh, I think Emmanuel Hall is is probably the most underrated player for me. Uh, he only made one of our top twelves. Uh, granted, he was right at the edge of mine. He's somebody that I think has an opportunity, depending on where he lands, to really rise up rookie draft boards. And if he can come out of training camp with a starting job or a wide receiver three job, you know he's going to put up some really good numbers if he stays healthy. So uh, I I think he's I think he's pretty underrated. Big, fast, attacks the ball. For me, it's going to be. 
I'm really kind of torn between two guys, but I'm going to go with Stanley Morgan Jr. Just because I don't see enough people talking about him again. He's someone who's jumped up into my top six uh, just based on what I've seen from him on film and uh, some other people that I, I trust in the community talking about him a little bit more. Um, I'm really interested to see where he ends up going as I do think that could be huge for him as we've talked about with a lot of guys in this class. But he's someone I don't think is getting enough talk and enough love as a wide receiver who could, uh, in all honesty, be drafted as one of the first, I would say, seven or eight off the board. And he's just not getting enough talk or love in the fantasy or NFL community. How much do you think his NFL pedigree uh, will have to do with his draft status? Morgan? Yeah. Do you think he's going to get nudged up a little bit because of that? Maybe. I I mean – I would say yes just because of what we keep talking about with this class. The fact that there are so many warts on all these wide receivers, he has that, I guess you could almost say, like the the pedigree of the bloodline, everything. People may think that he's, I shouldn't say adept to do it, but he's... uh, he has that in him, so they maybe they feel he's going to be more suited for the NFL. I don't necessarily believe in that stuff. I mean, we've seen it work in, in all lines of sports, basketball, football, baseball. doesn't mean that that's, you're going to be good at just because someone else was in your family. But I do think that uh, I do think that could push him up just based on the fact that this class is not deep with elite talent. It's deep with like a second tier, if that makes sense, or at least from my, from my opinion. I've got those four guys up there in my tier one, and then everybody else I think is not separated by much in that tier two, so it could push him up just a little bit. Yeah, I think once I get, once I sort it out into tiers, you know, that's going to, I don't think I'll be able to do a top 12 because I feel like there'll be like six or seven in the first couple tiers, and then like 15 in the next two or three yeah yeah i'm right there with you so i'm, I'm interested to see um and I'm, i'll ask kyle here too just a second um for me like i think the last time i'll probably rank like a top 12 or maybe top 24 wide receiver will be right before the draft like hey here's my guys going into the draft and then once we see where they where they land I'm probably going to break it down into tiers, and then it may, it, like I said, it may be some, those the four that I have in tier one right now. One of them may drop into tier two, and I may only have a couple in tier two, and then have a huge tier three. I mean, it's all going to be the landing spots are going to be huge for them, just just like the running backs. Uh, what about what about you and your ranks, Kyle? You know, I wish I could say something different, but I totally agree. I mean, rookie rankings I feel are very important before the draft, just because you want to be familiar with every player. But after the draft, make your tiers and say you have six players in your first tier and you own the 103 in your rookie draft, instead of you know ranking out those six players, just trade back from 103 to 106. I mean, you pick up the extra draft capital, maybe a mid-second, and that's why I think tiering is so huge because it allows for trading up, trading down. Again, another example, if you have the 109 and you have a tier of your top six, you know, move, move an early second, move a mid-second, move in and get that top-tier player of yours. Yeah, I agree. That's always solid. It's it's one of the best things about Dynasty Leagues is getting that rookie draft and trying to trying to maneuver around to make sure you get certain guys that you want. Uh, so we're going to do a couple over-under questions here before we close out the episode. How many wide receivers do you think get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft this year, over-under on 3.5? I'm going to go ahead and take that under, but just barely. I think the three receivers that are, that are going to be taken in the first round, I'm going to go DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, I'm going to go with Marquise Brown for my third one. I think he's someone that the NFL is a lot higher on than fantasy players, just because fantasy players view him as someone who's going to be 
more of a field stretcher for an NFL team and more significant to an NFL team than an actual fantasy team. So I'm going with the under. I think I'm going to ride the over, but I think it's only going to be four. I, I, I feel like, you know, see, Washington might be in the, in the market for one, Buffalo. The Giants are going to be, you know, they've got extra first now. Uh, the Raiders, you know, it's hard to find a, a stud-wide receiver. You heard John Gruden say that. Um, so, I, you know, and I think there will be a, a couple surprises. So I, I'm going to put the, I'm going to say over, and I'm putting it at four. All right, yeah, for me, I'm going to go under uh, just based on looking at all the team needs and everything uh, and with the, the depth that I think is there in the wide receiver class, at least in that second tier, I do think that a lot of these guys are going to go in the second and third round compared to the first round. I actually think that there's a good chance that one, maybe two, get drafted in the first round, and that's it. So I'm going to take the under. How many wide receivers do you think go in the top two rounds over under at 8.5? going again here i'm going to take the under but i'm going to take it just barely i'm going to go with i have metcalf harry marquise brown aj brown hakeem butler paris campbell debo samuel and jj arcega whiteside one guy that i mentioned earlier who i think is going to fall a bit in the draft is kelvin Harmon. i'm not too confident that he's going to go in the top two rounds but i feel pretty good about those top eight especially jj arcega whiteside after that the pro day where he ran the four four nine. I think that definitely shot him up early day two. But yeah, pretty confidently I'm gonna take the under. I could definitely see a guy like McLaurin slipping in there in the second round though. Yeah, I I feel like uh first two rounds I, I feel like the number is eight. So, so you'll take I, the under? Well I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a push. I could see I, I see Harry Brown, Metcalf Butler, Harmon, Whiteside, Hollywood and, uh, you know, Paris has really gained some momentum. Uh, I think the eighth is going to come down to, does somebody want to grab that elite athlete in Paris Campbell, or do they want to grab um, the best slot guy in the draft in Debo Samuel? I'm going to take the over. I think uh, there's going to be a huge run on wide receivers in the second round. I actually think there could be seven to nine drafted in the second round alone. I do think once a, once a couple teams start taking them, there's going to be a huge run on wide receivers. So I'm going to take the over on that. Uh, last two questions. We'll do uh, these purely fantasy-based uh, before we close it out here. How many wide receivers do you expect to go in round one of a fantasy draft? I'm going to put it at 5.5 this year. What do you got, Kyle? Are you saying in terms of rookie draft? Yes, yes. Rookie drafts uh, for fantasy. Not super flex. Yeah, not super flex. Just we'll just talk regular, just PPR. You know, twelve teams stand. Well, not standard PPR scoring. How many wide receivers do you expect to go off the board? Uh, we'll, over under. We'll put it at five point five. All right. Well, for the first time this entire podcast, I'm taking the over here, and I'm taking it pretty easily. Um, I'm very confident. Nikhil Harry, AJ Brown, Metcalf, and Butler. Very confident that those four guys pretty much in 100% of drafts are going to be in the first round. I think Kelvin Harmon is going to hover around the 109-110, but he should be in the first round in most drafts. And I could see Arcega Whiteside, Marquise Brown, and Paris Campbell all slipping in there with probably ADPs anywhere around 111 to 202. So that alone puts me at, I think, five, six, possibly eight in the first round. So I'm going to take the over there. 
So at six, I'm going to take the over two. Uh, but, you know, the is the the philosophy is draft running backs trade for wide receivers. And this year might be the year that it works the best to do that because you don't know necessarily which running backs are going to hit. And the wide receivers all have such uh, warts that it may, you know, this is, this could very well be the typical two to three year development cycle for the wide receiver class. And so it might be the year that somebody that you need to stick to your guns, draft those running backs and trade for the wide receivers next off season when the wide receivers underproduce. But in reality, I don't think that many people have the nerve to stick to that philosophy. And so I, I expect uh, s- at least seven wide receivers will go. See, I like that strategy that you were mentioning. One thing that's kind of become clear to me in rookie drafts is that rookie wide receivers rarely hit. But if you draft them in a rookie draft in the first round and they do hit, I mean, you are going to see that value absolutely skyrocket to the point where they're basically unattainable. And another thing about wide receivers is that even if they underperform their first year, they usually hold their value at least two, sometimes three, four years even. I mean, just look at a guy like Nelson Aguilar or even Corey Davis who's struggling a little bit. So I think that's a great point, but I also think that if you are so confident that a wide receiver is going to break out their rookie year, just go ahead and make a move for him in the draft because if he does break out, you're not going to be able to get him through trade afterward. Yeah, I mean, look at how, how bad Amari Cooper's been too here, and uh, he's uh, you know gets all kinds of trade value and everything in, in fantasy leagues. Because I mean, let's be honest, he sucks. I can't remember if you're a truther of Amari Cooper or not, Kyle. Are you? Oh, you're killing me. That's okay. my guy right there. I know. There. Yeah, let's not let's not hash let's not argue about that here at the end of the podcast. That could take an hour. <laughs> I could. I know Brandon is, and we're gonna have him on soon, and I might throw a subtle Amari Cooper dig in there and see if I can get him fired up. But yeah, hey, he's you'll, still you'll someone who holds his value. You and you know he's had one good year, but hey, we'll we'll get past that. You know I'll, I'll I'll trust you, Kyle. You are the wide receiver whisperer that Amari Cooper is good for now, even though he does have brick hands. So for me, <laughs> um, uh, I'm right there with both of you. I'm going to take the over. I just think this is going to be. I would not be surprised if in a lot of rookie drafts this year, when we see the ADPs and everything come out, we don't see nine to ten wide receivers drafted in the first round. Like I really. I would not be surprised if you only see the Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, maybe Miles Sanders going in the first round, and then everybody else being wide receivers. I know that you're going to have a couple of those running back truthers or people who are, who use the same strategy Dennis was just talking about. They're going to take the running backs because they want to be able to do exactly what he talked about and getting those guys to produce early and then trade for a wide receiver right before they break out. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised with the way the classes look right now. It's going to be heavy wide receiver. Last one, just a personal question for both of you guys on your wide receivers. Um, just imagine we're doing a four-round rookie draft and you – need wide receivers over under on 3.5 how many wide receivers are you going to draft this year in your rookie draft i would say i'm going to take the over again i just i'm very very confident in this wide receiver class as it gets later in the drafts maybe third round looking at just guys like you know Keyshawn johnson penny hart slow <laughs> small that, that's why i'm taking them in the third and fourth round i see these guys as upside guys jalen hurd Riley Ridley, I know he gets 
you know, dumped on by the fantasy community. But if I can get him in the fourth round, I'm going to take him. I think he's a great route runner. So I'll take the over there. Just And it has more to do with the lack of faith that I have in the depth of the running back position in this draft, more so than my faith in rookie wide receivers I can get in the third and fourth round. But there are definitely some guys that I want to take some flyers on. Well, only half of the fantasy community dumps on Riley Ridley. The film guys love him. The analytics guys, not so Mm -hmm. much. Don't 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 say everybody. I'm a film guy, and I hate Riley Ridley. I think he's horrible. All right, so I'm just just throwing that out there. I'm just not someone who's a fan of Riley Ridley. Well, given your track record, I'm not surprised. Ouch, down population, you bro. Yeah, you, that's why everybody should be jumping on <laughs> Riley Ridley right now. That's the whole point. That's why I'm throwing that out there, so everybody can jump back on that boat. What was the question again? Do you, uh, would many, I take four if I needed yeah. wide receivers? Would I take four? Yeah, pretty much. Out of my five rookie picks? Yes. Um, I probably would not. I feel like that there's a lot of depth at uh, tight end, and so I'm going to probably come away with at least one tight end. And I think that there is enough depth at running back, that, and and I'm going to probably lean more towards running back. So needing what is... So here's the thing. If I need a wide receiver, the chances of a third round or a fourth round or a fifth round wide receiver helping me in the next two years are pretty small. So I'm going to, once I get past that mid-second round, I'm probably taking uh, whoever I think is going to be the best player the soonest. And so that's going to, you know, that that's going to keep me from drafting four wide receivers. That'll, you know, I, I'll end up probably with a tight end and uh, maybe two, uh, a running back or two, a wide receiver or two. I could see maybe three. You know, I can see me, see me taking a, a fifth round flyer on somebody that's uh, after taking a, say a first and second round wide receiver, tight end in the third. So it's. I, I would say no. I'm going to be under the 3.5. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to be right there with you. I, I just I've talked about many times that I'm actually a big fan of this running back class as well. I think there's a lot of guys who could end up with a lot of fantasy value, especially with the way that it seems the NFL has really moved toward a two back system. You don't really have that many workhorses anymore. Uh, so I think some of these guys will be fantasy relevant. So I, I see myself likely drafting if we're talking five rounds, at least two, maybe three running backs, and trying to take two wide receivers, maybe one really early and then one late that I think has a lot of upside, like a Jalen Hurd that Kyle, Kyle was talking about. Uh, thank you, Dennis and Kyle, so much for joining me today to talk about our wide receivers and everything. Again, Kyle, thank you so much for joining, obviously, us on the podcast in your first one. Uh, we really are proud of what you've been doing and uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Before we get out of here again, why don't you tell us where we can find you on Twitter and then when your next article is coming out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DynastyFF underscore Kyle. And my next article that's coming out that's actually going to be on these top five wide receivers that we were talking about earlier, that should be out for next Wednesday, just a week right after my running back article. I'm pumped to get it out there. So, as always, you can find me as uh, the illustrious co-host here at the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Uh, I'm on Twitter at culture underscore coach. Uh, I'm still debating if I should change my uh, handle to something more... Uh, fantasy football ish, but I feel like I'm developing a, a brand. So 
Uh, I think I might end up sticking with Culture Coach. I just had an article come out a couple days ago on DynastyNerds.com, the new Down and Dynasty column, uh, the ideal landing spots for my top five wide receivers. Uh, Go give it a read. Give me some feedback. Do you like it? Am I crazy? Is it both? Well, again, guys, thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you both. Well, not obviously, Dennis. I'm going to talk to you again here in the next couple of days. Kyle, we look forward to talking to you again once the draft is over with and we can do some more talks on these wide receivers and possibly where they end up. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Really appreciate it. Right on. Prepare for glory! <laughs> <laughs>